I'm Shannon Heffernan, a reporter and producer on WBEZ's After Water series. After Water is a mashup of science, art, and journalism about the future of the Great Lakes. We invited fiction writers to imagine our region 100 years in the future. We paired them with climate scientists and Great Lakes experts and let the writers' imaginations take it from there. Last episode, you heard the story Poison Fish by Nenia Korafor. I spoke with her at Chicago's Rainbow Beach, where her story takes place. So we're here on Rainbow Beach, where you set your story. We're looking out on the shoreline. Describe to me what you see and maybe where you imagine some of these, the things that could have happened here would have been. Okay, so Poison Fish is set in the future. It's not far in the future, but it's in the future. You know, where things have just become more of what they are. There's a lot more surveillance, for example. So there might be on these poles we see here broken cameras? Yeah, yes. And where those rocks are, instead of those being stone, we have a a wooden pier. That's where we have our main characters, Ondo and Udara, walking out. So this this is exactly where the story takes place. Why Rainbow Beach? Why of all the places in Chicago to set your story, did you choose this location? A lot of times when I'm writing, the setting just comes to me and I have no idea why. And when I was writing this story, I knew, of course, that I wanted to set it in Chicago and I wanted to set it somewhere on the south side. And I that for some reason, that just popped into my head. So as soon as that happened, um, I did a little research on Rainbow Beach and just uncovered a lot. And I knew immediately that it was the perfect setting for my story. Tell me about a little bit about what you uncovered. There's a lot of racial tension here, that there are a lot of race, well, they call them race riots that happened here on Rainbow Beach, and that there, there were a lot of, especially during the civil rights movement. Tell me in this particular process, what, what were the, some of the moments where the research surprised you or led you someplace? I think that, um, actually, in several moments with this story, the research surprised me, and, and, and First, whenever I'm writing, the first thing that usually comes to me are the characters. So in this case, the characters came to me and I was like, okay, I have these dynamic characters, what are they going to do? And so as soon as I asked that question, that's when the research popped in. Because once I did the research on Rainbow Beach, I had that aspect of it. I had the whole political sense of it. I had the whole, okay, this is a, a charged place in Chicago. And so I knew I was setting it in the future, but I also believe that the past, present, and the future are all intertwined and, and they affect each other. They continue to affect each other. And then once I started talking to some of the scientists, I, I would ask them questions, but I'd let them talk more because scientists will always talk more about what they're really interested in and what they're passionate about, and that's usually where the stories are. And so I just listened, let them talk, and I'd wait for that little nugget of just thing, that thing that would pop up. What were the moments, uh, the flashing moments when you spoke to the scientist? One of the things that I had a hard time understanding was Chicago's relationship to Lake Michigan was confusing because it's a city that's right on the lake, but it doesn't draw its water directly from the lake. And so I had to keep asking him over and over again, like, what exactly was going on? Like, so, so speaking to scientists is always, that always helps. How do you know, as a science fiction writer, when to stick with the reality and when to depart from it? Oh, that's a very good question. Um... One thing that I know, when I'm writing a story, I believe what I'm writing. When I'm writing it, I believe exactly what's going on. If I'm writing about aliens coming from the, from the sky, you know, I, I believe that as I'm writing it. So, I don't know, there's just a, there's certain connections of logic and reality that I look for. If it doesn't have those, then I'm not really, it's not even that I won't write about it. I, wouldn't be, I won't be interested because I, I have to be able to believe what I'm writing. 
when we first contacted you for the story and we told you we were looking at water, you said, well, you've been to some places in the world where water was already in crisis. Tell me about those places and how they informed how you thought about the story. Well, well, the main place that I was thinking about was Nigeria. You know, coming from, I guess, the United States, one of the first things you'll realize is the importance of drinking water. <laughs> you know, you can't just drink right out of the, the faucet. When you get to the hotel, you got to make sure it's about, you have to, as, as soon as you enter the country, you have to kind of shift your whole way of thinking. And if you don't, you will suffer dire consequences that you don't want to deal with. So, um, so yeah, and I, I've spent time, you know, whenever I visit, because I visit as often as I can, and whenever I visit my family and I, we like to go to the, the village where there is no running water in a lot of the places. And so you, you kind of live with that and you have that experience. And that exp for me, I had that experience as a, as a child. And having those experiences from such a young age has always made me very aware of the importance of clean water. Did working on this story give you any new way of thinking about that clean water? Yeah, I think wor working on this story has made me um, more aware of the Great Lakes. Re reading all the research, the, the importance of water has always been a big thing for me. Like in all of my stories, it's water is life. That's something that, that's a, that's a phrase that pops up in almost all of my stories. But doing this story has kind of localized me a bit. You know, it, it's scary to think well, about thank the, you so the, the much. more I look apoplectic so features. What were the things that gave you hope? And are there any glimmers of that that you can story. point us so towards excited. in your story? Me too, me too. I'm, all, I'm, I'm something. what I call a, an irrational optimist. So when I look at, because I write a lot of post-apocalyptic things, and I... I, I just can't function in a world where everything is negative, where all I can think, where we're just heading towards the end. I can't function in that. So I'm always looking for, I always believe that the earth can adjust and the creatures of the earth can adjust to even the worst things that human beings in particular will throw at it. With invasive species, for example, in Lake Michigan, maybe the ecosystem will will adjust in some way and become different. It will it will thrive and but be different. So I think that's really those are the positives that I look at, just the ways that things will adapt. So in your story you have people adapting. Yes, exactly, exactly. The um because they've been drinking dirtier water, they've been living in poorer environments, they they don't have access to clean water as much as um a, um, the minority, and over time their bodies have adapted. I found it interesting, speaking of the people who who were in your story who had been able to adapt to, to drinking the dirtier water, mm -hmm. when we hear about climate change and environmental changes, um, we often hear that the countries that are going to be most impacted are not the United States, they're countries abroad where there's warmer climates, where there's more shorelines, and where there's less resources. Now you still chose to locate your story in the United States, but you chose to use characters who were from those other places. Mm -hmm. Why did you make that choice? As a science fiction writer, um, one of the things I always think about is the fact that human beings always think that they can predict everything, and I don't believe that. Um, I believe that there are wild cards. There are going to be wild cards that come up, things that we never see, that we could never foreseen happening, and that's going to shift everything. And once that shifts everything, all the things that we believed we understood and we could predict are all going to be incorrect or inaccurate in some way. So I, so I believe that. Um, and the same goes with uh, um, the idea that climate change is going to affect, I guess you could, would call them, um, quote unquote, third world nations more, people, people in more dire circumstances than those who are not. I don't know. 
I kind of take issue with that. It's like the idea of uh, if the lights go out, who's going to be better off? People who never had the light <laughs> or people who are used to the light and can f have based all of the way that they uh, live on having the light. Who's going to be worse off? The same thing with water. What do you view the role of creative writers, in particular science fiction writers, in, in helping people to think today about their future and the choices they're making? What's, what's the role of artists? Well, science fiction writers and, and just writers in general who do speculate about the future, it kind of gives us a, a practice run. It gets people to think about, you know, it gets people to speculate. It gets people to consider. It gets people to uh, cons think about the ideas of what are our problems going to be? What are, our, what are possible solutions? It, and it might get people inventing as well. You know, that's what science fiction has always done. A lot of the technology that we use today was first created and, and um, speculated about in science fiction. And then some scientists came along and were like, oh, let me try to make that. And then they did. So I think, I think it's that, too. Where is the story going to go from here? Do you know? Yeah, the story is definitely going to focus on um, Ondo and Udara and what happens after that after the explosion, because that's just the beginning, and it's going to be sort of, it's, there's going to be a lot of hiding, a lot of shooting, and a, a lot of, uh, and something's going to happen on the water. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so we have something to look forward oh, to. yes. Oh, yes. I just got an idea, even just talking. I just got, I think I got what, I, what it is. Yes. That was Nettie Akorafor. She wrote Poison Fish for WBEZ's After Water series. To hear some of the science behind After Water, visit our website, wbez.org or afterwater.tumblr.com. Afterwater is part of WBEZ's Front and Center project. Front and Center is funded by the Joyce Foundation, improving the quality of life in the Great Lakes region and beyond.